Hey, everybody, here we go. The Hope Radio and the Hope Club Podcast, which you can find on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere good podcasts are found. Check it out, the Hope Club Podcast. Today, Jesus continues his Sermon on the Mount. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to remind people of what they heard in the past. And that's good. You know, we need to be reminded too. We go to church week after week after week and many times we become we become forgetful. And it's good to hear things over again, second time, third time, fourth time. I know for me, I like review because I have a bad memory. And review helps me to, to, to learn and to grow. And that's what Jesus is going to do today here on the Sermon on the Mount. We'll be in Matthew chapter 5. Today he's going to talk about something all humanity needs to know. (laughs) Not just some humanity, all humanity needs to know what Jesus is going to talk about today. You see, the audience that Jesus preached to, they grew up with the Old Testament. And they were also under the letter of of the law. You know, it was all about doing the right thing in the right way. We saw last time that Jesus was interested in the people keeping not the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law. That was important, the spirit. Now he's going to impress upon their hearts, and I want you to think of this, that God is interested more in your thoughts than in your deeds. What did he say? He said, God is interested more in your thoughts than in your deeds. Think about that. Could that be revolutionary for the church today? Seems like the church, you know, it's all about deeds. But the reality is, God is interested in your thoughts. And you know why? Because the deeds come from the thoughts. That's why. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. And Jesus said, You have heard that the ancients were told, You shall not commit murder. So he's saying, People before you, this is the teaching that they had. You shall not commit murder. And whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. Now the word murder, it means to kill or Slay. It's to take an innocent life. And by the way, this was taught from the beginning of history. It was. And but Jesus is going to add, or he's going to bring it to another level today. We get a two-part message today and tomorrow. We're talking about anger and reconciliation. And Jesus talked about it because it was so important to him. And the contrast that Jesus sets up is not between the Old Testament and his teachings, because he establishes the validity of the law, but he's going to take it, like I said earlier, beyond the deed to the thought life. In Genesis chapter 9, verse 6, the people of God were told, whoever sheds man's blood by man, his blood shall be said, a shed. For in the image of God, he made him. So God introduces capital punishment. Someone says, well, is capital punishment right? 
It is in the realm of consequences for murder, and God explains it. Taking away the life of another person is the highest offense that can be committed against the individual and against society. And the highest punishment that a man can suffer for such a crime is the loss of his own life. So it's life for life. Now, that was the law. And it appears that only for murder can a life be taken in punishment. So here comes Jesus, verse 22. But I say to you, (laughs) I love Jesus. He says, this is what you were taught. This is what the law says. But I say to you, one man calls us the new authority. Because Jesus speaks with an authority, which no other man had ever dreamed of doing. See, in those days, the teacher merely read the law to the people. But you know what Jesus does? He brings it to life, and he makes it personal. When Jesus spoke, he got people to look at themselves. Even though he spoke to a crowd, he got the individual's to look at their own lives. I think that's the goal of biblical teaching. Not that we would look at somebody else, but that we would look at ourselves. Because biblical teaching is for self-improvement. So Jesus brings it to life. And he he was not shy about it. In Mark one twenty two, it was said of Jesus, they were amazed at his teaching. Why? Because he was teaching them as one having authority. And not as the scribes. So Jesus taught with authority. He believed what he was saying. He knew he had the authority. He was the embodiment of the Word of God. Now, in Jewish life, the law was the center of their life. It was all about the law. You know, they the, the law was what their lives revolved around. Philo was a Jewish philosopher, and he said, The law is everlasting and unchangeable, and unshakable, as signed by nature herself with her seal. The rabbis used to say, those who deny that the law is from heaven have no part in the world to come. So what we're doing is we're saying, hey, they elevated the law to the highest degree. There was nothing higher than the law, the law that God gave. In the synagogues, the first act of the service was to remove the scrolls from their place and carry them around the whole outside of the synagogue, showing reverence for them. They worshipped the scrolls, the law. So here comes Jesus again, Matthew 5. He quotes the law, and though he gives validity to the law, (laughs) I love him, five times he contradicts the law, with his own teaching. What? Five times he contradicts the law with his own teaching. He would say, you have heard that the ancients were told. Verse 27, you have heard that it was said. Verse 33, again, you have heard that the ancients were told. Verse 38, you have heard that it was said. Verse 43, you have heard that it was said. See, the, and don't worry, I'm going to get to Jesus. <laughs> the teacher would often say, thus says the Lord. 
He never claimed any authority for himself. These were the teachers. They said, no, what we're saying, it doesn't come from us. It comes from God. And they claimed that God was speaking, not them. And the rabbi and the scribe would say, there is a teaching. But they never expressed their own opinion. They would only quote teachers from the past. And now, here comes Jesus. You have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not commit murder. And whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you, uh uh-oh, here comes a twist. What's he doing? He's going to get himself killed. You've heard that the ancients were told, you heard what the law says. We esteem the law. But I say to you, (laughs) that everyone who's angry with his brother shall be guilty before the courts. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Notice what Jesus is doing. He's saying the act is worthy of severe punishment, and so is the thought. Jesus is putting the thought on equal par with the act. Man, that'll keep us honest, won't it? One commentator said, No sooner does a man begin to teach than we know at once whether or not he has the right to teach. In other words, you can listen, and you can say, Wow, this is really touching me, or you can walk away. Either one. And Jesus, when he spoke, it touched him. Oh, it touched people right in the heart. So here's what Jesus is getting across. It is no longer a matter of doing. It is now a condition of the heart. Jesus always hits the heart. It was Jesus' teachings that thoughts are just as important as deeds. Think about that. Don't ever think, well, I didn't do it. I just thought it. And you're okay. No, in Jesus' economy, he would say, you're just as guilty. Thinking it, and doing it on equal ground. That's what Jesus would say. Whether you would strike a man, or if you wish to strike a man, you're on equal ground. They're both the same. Wow. I got convicted. You ever want to punch somebody in the nose? Well, wanting to do it is equal to doing it. So you know what I say? Do it. (laughs) No, I'm only kidding. (laughs) In God's eyes. See, he's dealing with the heart. To commit adultery and then to have a desire to commit adultery. In God's eyes, they're both the same. Hey, you might never do it. You might look at him or her at the water cooler every day and say, hmm, I like that. Infanticize. And to God, that's as sinful as doing it. Wow. Why? Because we're talking about God's kingdom. The world is not concerned with a person's thoughts, only his deeds, right? But God is concerned with his thoughts, because that's who we are. He's concerned with our hearts, because we live life from the heart. The law said in Exodus 20, verse 13, you shall not murder. And they said, yes, amen. And Jesus comes on the scene and he says, anger against a brother is forbidden. It's equal to murder. Now, there are two Greek words for anger, 
thumas, which means like a flame from a dried straw. It quickly blazes up and then it dies down. Right? It's like, done. But then there's another word for anger, orgizo. And it means to enrage, provoke. It's a long-lived anger. And the word that Jesus uses when he says, if you're angry with your brother, is the word orgizo, a long-lived anger. It's not an anger where, oh, I got really upset, but now I'm okay. No, it's an anger where I got really upset and I'm going to stay upset. The anger of a person who nurses their wrath to keep it warm. Oh, where till I see them? I'll give them a piece of my mind. I'm going to keep on. I'm going to, I'm going to show them. And that's Orgizo. He will not allow it to die. There's a, an ancient philosopher, a philosopher named Seneca. He called anger a brief insanity. And in a way it is, wouldn't you say? When we get angry, we're not thinking straight. Because what do we do sometimes? We break things. We throw things. We punch a wall. And then we're sorry we did all those things. <laughs> you punch a wall, you broke your fingers. You threw a dish. Oh, no, that was my favorite dish. Smashed on the wall. You know, and because it's like an insanity. It's a momentary insanity when we're that kind of angry. People do things when they're angry and they end up in real big trouble. Why? Anger. They let anger get the best of them. That's why Solomon could say, he that can control himself is better than a person that takes a city. You take a city, that's good, but if you have self-control, that's even better. So Jesus tells us what this person is worthy of in verse 22. Everyone who's angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. The court is the tribunal of three men. They handled smaller societal matters. And here is where anger turns into insulting words. Now it's going to escalate. And Jesus says, whoever says to his brother, you're good for nothing. You shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. Whew. Good for nothing. The word is raka. It means empty one or empty-headed one or worthless. See, these are just insults. Jesus doesn't like them. Oh, no. So the word raka, it was more about tone than word. You know, did you ever see anger escalate? And the tone begins to change. And it becomes now despising the other person. That's what it becomes. And Jesus says, that ain't right. If that's in your heart, that ain't right. You know, the rabbis used to tell a tale of a certain rabbi named Simon ben Eleazar. He was coming from his teacher's house, and he felt uplifted at the thought of his own scholarship and goodness. So he was kind of thinking very highly of himself. And then an ill-favored passerby gave him a greeting. Hello, Eleazar! And Eleazar did not return the greeting. Instead, you know what he said? You raka. He said, how ugly you are. Are all the men of your town as ugly as you? Wow. See, that's what happens when you think you're spiritually intellectual. And then the passerby said, the guy that was insulted, he said, well, I don't know. 
Go and tell the Maker who created me how ugly is the creature that he made. And what's he saying? You're, you're attacking a creature of God. God made me this way, whether you think I'm ugly or not. I'm just the way God wants me. And you're insulting a creature of God. See, he had a sin of contempt and it was rebuked in a very nice, calm way. That's self-control. So in verse 22, whoever says to his brother, are you good for nothing? Jesus said, here comes the penalty. You shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. Ooh, the Supreme Court, that's the Jewish Sanhedrin. That's the council. That's the high court dealing with higher offenses. There were 23 judges on the Sanhedrin. So you think about it. You're going to the Supreme Court for the sin of contempt. You didn't do anything. That's what you said. That was good enough. See, the people of God, we as God's people, and believe me, I know we're far from perfect, but we live at a higher level. We are not at the level of the unregenerate, of the lost. We live at a higher level. Look at the Spirit of God inside of us. The last thing we need to do is stoop down to where we were when we could be living up here to where God made us. So, question, why the severity? I mean, these aren't actions. These are thoughts and these are words. And yet, why the severe punishment? Because there is no sin quite so unchristian as the sin of contempt. Because contempt is found, here it comes, in the heart. And God deals with our heart. That's why we can look good on the outside, and people might be impressed. But it's what God sees inwardly that he really deals with. And that's common. It's common. I mean, that's why the Pharisees were looked down upon by Jesus. Is Oh, outwardly you guys look so good, but inwardly I know what's there. Dead men's bones. You got no love. You got no heart. Your hearts are like the rock of Gibraltar. You don't care about people. You know, you just care about yourself. Even though outwardly they look, oh, Johnny, I want you to be like Rabbi. I want you to be like that Pharisee. But Jesus looked beyond the facade. And he saw what was in the heart. And we need to look at our hearts. We need to examine our hearts daily, Paul said. Examine your heart daily to see if you're living in the faith. Every day we have to do that. So this contempt, it comes from one of three places. Number one, pride of birth. You know, we're born with this feeling of superiority, and we have contempt for those that are below us. Or number two, we have contempt because we have a high position, we have a lot of money, we have a lot of material things, and it's easy to look down on the common people. Or number three, We might have great knowledge and intellectual snobbery and look down upon those that are more simple and don't have the education. We should never look with contempt upon any person for whom Christ died. I think that's the message today. Jesus died for all people, everybody in the world. He didn't die for some. He didn't say, well, you know, some of you, you're pretty good. I'm going to die for you. But some of you guys, oh man, forget it. You're hopeless. I'm not dying for you. He died for all. He died for the best of the best and the worst of the worst. He took the sins of Hitler upon himself. 
He took the sins of Napoleon upon himself. He took the sins of Jack the Ripper upon himself. He died for all people. He gives everybody the opportunity to be restored, to be redeemed, to be brought back. So Jesus, he's saying, listen, I know what the law says, but I'm taking you to another level. Whoever says you fool shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. (laughs) Man, the word fool is the word moros. You think that's where we get the word moron? And it means to be dull. It means to call someone stupid. You ever call someone stupid? Jesus saying, you know what? If that's your heart, you're hell-bound. Man, it's simply to destroy someone's name and reputation. That goes on a lot. Why is it that there is so much? See, you know what people don't go to jail for? Character assassination. But God will put them in jail. Man won't. It was man. No, you got to kill him. Then we'll put you in jail. But with God, if you just kill their reputation, you're going to jail. Oh, I'll put you in something. Because words are a weapon. Oh, words destroy. Words, words are powerful. Words make people jump off buildings and commit suicide. Words make teenagers take their lives. Words start wars. Words are powerful. Jesus said, if you call someone stupid, you're bound for the fiery hell. It's the word Gehenna. Now, Gehenna originally was a place where children were offered by fire to Molech. How bad was that? And then later on, it became the public dumping grounds outside Jerusalem. It's like a landfill. And there was always something burning, and it was raunchy over there. It was gross. And people brought their garbage, and they burned it in the landfill. That was Gehenna. And that's the word that came to symbolize hell. So we have here Jesus mentioning an ascending degree of punishment. The first one, it's a small punishment. You go to a three-man court. The second one, it's a Jewish council. You go to a 23-man Sanhedrin court. And then the third one, God himself. You go to God himself. And Jesus is saying, you're fit for the landfill. So, what do we get out of this teaching? This is Jesus' teaching. He's telling us that we must see each person as made in the image of God. That's what he's telling us. So, in summary, let me put this all together for us. Number one, long-lasting anger is bad. It's bad. Really bad. Long-lasting. That's orgizo. You can have tumas once in a while. You blow up, but then you come down. Ogizo, that's a fire that just keeps on burning. You hold on to it for days and days. You can't wait. I'll tell them. I'll give them a piece of my mind. Number two, contemptuous speaking is worse. Talking down. And number three, malicious talk, which destroys a person's name. That's the worst of all. And again, why is Jesus making such a big deal about this? Because he's dealing with the heart. Oh, that's the most important thing. The heart. He loves us so much. He's saying, listen, I want your heart to be right. Because with your heart, you live life. 
And with your heart, you, you interact with other people. And with your heart, you commune with God. That's why he's saying it's so important. He's, he's, he's doing us a favor. And he's helping us to protect our hearts from judgment and protect them from sin and being destructive. Because we live life from the heart. Everything we say comes from the heart. Everything we do comes from the heart. The heart is the think tank. And what's in the heart is revealed by our words and by our actions. So it's not a secret. You know, you can be a mind reader, listen to someone talk, watch their actions. You don't have to read their mind. Their mind will be exposed to the words they say and the things they do. And all of us, me too, man, I've exposed my dark heart sometimes. <laughs> said, thing, said things I wish I never said. Did things I wish I never did. You know why? Because I had a problem with my heart. Something wrong. Something wrong with my heart. So what do we do? We stick with the Word of God. We let God's Word cleanse our heart and wash our heart and fill our heart and make our heart what it's supposed to be. It's all about the Word. That's why when Jesus said, listen, here's what the law says, but here's what I say. Because Jesus was above the law. He was the giver of the law, but he's the word of God. So he can override the law because he comes in the spirit of the law. That's the difference. Not living in the letter of the law and getting away with evil thoughts, but living in the spirit of the law where evil thoughts are not excused. He's, he's bringing us to a higher level of living. That's kingdom life. That's how we live as people of God. Boy, I wish they taught these lessons in school, don't you? Imagine if all children learn these things and grow up to be fine adults how different our societies would be. Many times we as adults, we learn these things almost so late in life. You know, we're on the back nine and we're learning these things. But that's okay, as long as we learn them. That's the most important thing. Hey, check out the Hope Club podcast. All our messages are there. Go to iTunes, hit, hit subscribe. Spotify, hit follow. Great way to drive to work, drive home from work, listen to the Word of God. That's how we got our heart, protect our heart, put the right stuff in our heart, okay? All right, thank you for coming along. Tomorrow we're going to talk about why God wants reconciliation.